0: folks and welcome to the Sense and Theory Podcast. I'm Theory. I'm Sense. And today we're going to walk through a minefield with clown shoes. That's right. We're going to be talking about bias, but more importantly, uh, or more specifically, we're going to be talking about our biases and the show's biases.
1: Uh, This is a really hard episode for me. (laughs) This is one of those things that took like deep introspection and uh, delving into my own personal flaws. A lot which of is, uh, a
0: lot of cold early mornings staring out across the lake and soul searching. It's <laughs>
1: <That's> never easy. <laughs> Lots of whiskey, folks. Lots of whiskey.
0: Well, let's uh, let's you know, let's start at the source like we always do. Let's let's lead out with uh, the definition of bias.
1: So essentially, the definition of bias is prejudice in favor or against one thing, person or group compared with another, usually in a way considered to be unfair.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's important to key in on that word unfair, right? Because that is how we normally think of bias. We think, well, you know, you've skewed your view and and you're overlooking all this stuff, but that is not necessarily the case. And I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm coming out in defensive bias, but I want you to think, for instance, that you're not gonna hear anybody complain about a bias towards self-preservation. <laughs> right. And in fact, that's actually very vital to our survival as a species. You that's know? right.
1: And I think a lot of a lot of biases, um, the lesser biases, you know, we're gonna be talking specifically about um what cognitive biases today, yeah, right? Yeah. Um so a lot of these lesser biases may have kind of evolved as defense mechanisms. Right. Um, and it's funny when when you're looking at specifically the list of cognitive biases, which folks uh today you owe it to yourself uh go go to the wikipedia page on cognitive bias look through the entire list it'll take you 10-15 minutes um and just marinate on it yeah when i did that uh i was hit with some fundamental truths about the way that that i i perceive the world yeah uh, and some of them were really uncomfortable to mm-hmm. look at you know i recognized some of my own patterns of behavior that have been studied really well and explained really well.
0: Yeah, it's hard because it, it not only, but but it also, it holds a mirror up to you, but it also gives you a better understanding of where people are coming from. You know, right. sometimes some of those, you know, inane arguments or, or whatever you want to call them, you know, you're like, man, why, how could anybody possibly think this? And then you look at that entry on the bias list and you're like, oh, well, that's how. And I it's actually, it, yeah. it's something that's common to a large swath of humanity and stuff. I think bias can be uh, you know, good or bad. It's a, you know, it's, it's like a lot of things that we've talked about on the show. Um, the key thing with bias is it's most dangerous when you're unaware of it. That's right. When, when you acknowledge it and when you see it and you're able to factor it in, you know, to your, your process, it, it just becomes a part of life like anything else. It's right. like having a pancreas. It, it you gives know?
1: yourself a way to, to, to kind of question your mo your own motivations and, and mm-hmm. ultimately get to a, A place of objectivity, which I feel like is a valuable thing. You know, maybe, maybe some people, uh, postmodernists out there may (laughs) not value objectivity terribly much, but for those of us who do, um, I think it's an important thing to look at, um, look at your own choices through the lens of, of bias, like you said, to get a better understanding on things. I,
0: I think it behooves everyone to take a look at bias in today's modern age and with the tone and tenor that like political discussions and discussions about social issues are at, with people throwing studies and facts and figures back back and forth, um, take a look at statistical biases. Like like I said, today we're mainly on cognitive, but you know things like selection bias, um, which is you know when somebody does a study and you know what they choose to include in that study, what they you know don't choose, right? Shapes the study. Um, you've got uh, observer bias, you know, obviously whatever the person's bringing in. But you need to be able to have a rudimentary understanding of what could be a flaw in that study that your side or the other side is holding up as the golden nugget that right. unlocks the. Everything. Otherwise,
1: we're just we're trusting in the appeal to authority. Yeah, right? right, whoever right. holds the numbers has the key. Yeah, um, yeah. And well, it, he's got
0: the fanciest numbers. You that's know right, and yeah, we yeah. Know, we know
1: that that studies are flawed and right. methodologies are flawed. They always have been. They always will be. Um, you know, new and better studies come out that, that explain flaws with previous studies and things. So, yeah. so yeah, if you want to, if you want to understand the world around you and we're using uh, science to understand it, then understand science better.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what this yeah, is. At least, at least get the, I, th- I think the understanding the biases give you the building blocks. Like nobody's asking you to go out and get a PhD or, or anything like that, <laughs> right. you know, but you don't just, have
1: to go write a critique of the latest housing <laughs> study. You know? if,
0: if somebody, you know, and conversely also, you know, we said, trust the man with the fancy numbers. Well, if somebody holds up numbers and somebody says, well, that's, that's got selection bias all over it. Does it? How right. are you going to know? You know, you don't, you don't want to just be at the, the, the mercy of these people who are shouting at you, you know, so, <laughs> I, so get To, out there to and, agree with that. Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. I
1: don't much <laughs> like it when people shout at me, <laughs> even if they're only shouting numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so some of the some of the biases that that really struck me on this list as as like recognizable, uh, you know, one was the Ikea effect. Mm. And that's the idea that when you have a hand in producing or building something, uh, you rate its quality higher. Right. So so even though Ikea may sell a piece of crap desk or a piece of crap chest of drawers, you bring it home, you pull it out of the box, you you screw it and you put it all together and and that makes you feel like you're invested in it. So obviously you rate that thing higher. So I think that applies to to a lot of things in life. It applies to politics. Um, if, if you're invested in a party and a yeah. party puts forth some sort of plan, you will have a natural bias to rate the outcome of that plan higher. Right. Because you had a hand in
0: it. Well, it was the same thing we touched on in our uh, cognitive dissonance episode where we said if you vote for somebody – you have a vested interest. Like you don't want to feel like a jackass. You you help get that guy elected. So if he does something that, you know, your, your bias is going to shape your opinion based on that, because you don't want to have committed the error that led to him being wherever he's at. That's
1: right. And there's a, there's a, the list is long of biases. You've got confirmation bias. Most people are probably familiar with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's where you pick out facts that uh, match your worldview. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have an existing view on uh, abortion is wrong and you go Google information Uh, your brain will throw out the -hmm. opposing views and you will go find the articles that support your existing viewpoint. That's a tendency, not to say you always will, but it's the tendency. So so to be direct, if you're aware of this bias, what you can do when you're when you're seeking out information about abortion uh, is actively stop that bias from happening. You know, that is if you're interested in changing your position or chasing uh, whatever objective truth means to
0: you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's sort of what changed my view. You know, one of the reasons we started doing that and like what that subreddit is all about is it's the opposite. It's saying, I'm going to seek out the things that are going to make it tough that's right. for me to continue to do this. And I think, I think we all have to, we all have to do that. If it, it, it serves two purposes, not only does it make sure that you're giving fair and, and, you know, equal weight to all the arguments and not getting in this narrow little lane tunnel vision where you only see one thing. But it also often reaffirms your That's beliefs right. in what you believe in because it's been tested. It's been you know put in the crucible and, and forged anew. You know? and, and truthfully, so, yeah, if yeah. you're
1: afraid of of your of your ideas and your values being tested, it's probably because they're weak. Mm. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, I think some biases are are protection mechanisms right. against feelings of failure or feelings of of worthlessness. You know, well, if you've held this belief your whole life. Um and it and it's become part of your identity, there's part of you that's threatened by losing that. Mm-hmm. Right. So so in in order to be honest with ourselves, I think it's important to to understand bias and, yeah. and how it works and plays
0: out. And that's and that's exactly why we're doing this episode today, right? Is like we have this noble sense of being honest with ourselves, right? That's that's what we want. <laughs> That's no. the
1: idea anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's the idea. But I'm gonna be honest with you guys, we hadn't thought of doing anything like this. Until a listener, uh, a listener who's been very supportive since day, actually since before the show started, yeah, since airing. our pre-run, uh, a listener named Seth, and he actually requested this episode, which once again just goes to show you, good folks at home, if you ask for episodes, we'll do our best to you know get them done. That's
1: uh, right. So if you have ideas, um, you know, jump in the subreddit. Uh Mm -hmm. jump on Facebook, send us an email, hit us up on Twitter.
0: We're in all the places. The links in the show notes. Um Beanzo is going to uh bust your ass if you say subreddit again without saying it is R slash sense and theory theory podcast. podcast. You're welcome, Beans.
1: (laughs) So yeah, come come join the show. Um this was really uncomfortable for me. Yeah. And and that is to say that no topic is necessarily off limits um, you know, suggest the craziest, wildest shit you've wanted to hear us talk about. And you know, there's a, there's a chance we may actually do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought when, when Seth did suggest that, and, and, uh, again, I, you know, to tell you the truth, I almost feel like we shortchanged him. I cannot say enough about Seth, man. He has been so supportive, like through this whole thing, Dude,
1: the Facebook messages, uh, <laughs> with his feedback, have have warmed me at times <laughs> yeah. and and they've caused me to look at uh my behavior on the show at other times and yeah. actually in question it uh in in the quest to to make a better show for people. So uh Seth thank you. You have been uh you have been invaluable to the process of the show and I I hope you stay a listener for a good long
0: time and keep the feedback coming, buddy. Absolutely, man. There are times where what he does is he actually you know, when, when he suggested this bias episode, like I saw it and I was like, damn, that's brilliant. And I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but so, you know, he keeps us on the path. Uh, it Quickly, I realized after he suggested it that we here recently have been just banging out some some big topics. You know, we had the race episode. We've had the police episode. Populism. Uh, populism. Post-modernism, postmodernism. You know, we're, we're talking about all these heavy topics, but you guys haven't really gotten a baseline for who we are since episode one. That's Episode true. one, we talked a little bit about our backgrounds and to tell you the truth, not to say that we're good at podcasting now, but we were less good back then. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's kind of murky and stuff, but we didn't really like lay that out. Well, I feel personally that, that we owe it to you guys. Like, yeah. cause, cause I'm no better than, you know, Ben Shapiro or Sean King or some of the people that we've complained about on here. If I don't come out to you and say, Hey, I could be wrong and here's the reasons, you that's know, right, that's right. Like we never wanted to put ourselves on a pedestal above you guys. We're, we're trying to figure it out with you. Right. And I, and I think when we looked
1: at doing a podcast, it was never with the intention of, you know, becoming an authority figure. In fact, it's completely the opposite. Um, neither of us are authorities at all on most of the the, right. the topics we cover. Right. Um. So, so very much we are two regular guys yep. um, who are finding out about things and then, and then relaying what we've found to you. So knowing your messenger better is a good thing. And and I'm hoping that by the end of this show, you'll know us a little better, understand where we come from and maybe help be able to peg some of our biases. Uh, when we, when we slip up and, and we're, you know, we're falling victim to our biases, you know, yep. send us an email shit.
0: Yeah, you know. absolutely. Take us to task. Um, so let's start, uh, with the show as a whole, right? Like we're going to get into, you know, individually, like, you know, what my biases are, but there are biases that we share. Maybe it's because, you know, we've, we've grown up together. We've known each other a long time. Maybe it's just, you know, fate that we both kind of, you know, you know, you but, start
1: to look like your dog after a while. <laughs> that's
0: exactly what it is. Um, I think who's the dog in this relationship, I think if you're talking about you and me, the first place you got to start is is that we are two of the hardest contrarians I've ever known in my entire <laughs> no. life. you know uh, all of our friends, uh, just about every friend that we that we mutually have will uh, sometimes rail about it into the night. My mom to this day calls me oppositionally defiant
1: at least <laughs> at least twice a year. It, it, it's bound to happen. Um, yeah, I have a personality that uh, if you tell me to go get a drink of water,
0: I'm gonna yeah. say no. I remember uh -uh. uh, I specifically remember uh back when we were in high school, uh there was a time where you had decided that you would no longer use money. Uh Uh-huh. And and sure enough, man, you would argue, like like vehemently argue. Well, well, if we just don't put our faith in it, it'll come to an end. You know (laughs) what I mean? And you know, so there's idealism in there too. But I, you know, I can remember, yeah, I don't know, man, countless arguments that we've had. And it quickly it like it got to the point where i realized that that you and i were arguing simply because we like to argue oh for real and, and in fact my <laughs> best friends uh we spend more time arguing yeah uh,
1: than anything else uh we were we were standing outside of a good friends the other day and and a conversation between me and another friend got so heated yeah. that people were getting uncomfortable. And <laughs> yeah. as I was coming back inside, I was like, this, I, I love this.
0: Yeah, yeah, This
1: is awesome. We just yelled at each other for like 25 minutes about some, <laughs> what, it was about money or something, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, capitalism and, and socialism. Like it was great. I thrive yeah. on it. I feed on it. Um, I'm the guy that in order to challenge you on your position, regardless of whether I agree with you, Mm-hmm. Will quickly adopt the opposite stance, yeah, uh, just to push you and and find the holes and flaws. Right. And a lot of times, what happens is uh, is it's well defended, yeah, you know, and that's yeah. and that's great. And sometimes what happens is there are holes that that I'll figure out the answer to three days later, yeah, yeah. or you know,
0: eight days later. I, so what you're touching on there, I think, is the strong suit, right? So again, like we said, biases aren't you know all bad or all good, just like anything else in life. Um, the, I think that there is a valuable part to being contrarian, you know, so that way it keeps, it makes sure that we're honest as we go down the road. If someone's always nitpicking, if someone's always playing devil's advocate, it makes sure that we never get complacent in those views and opinions that we hold. However, at the same time, there are times I think where it just gets in the way. G- give me an example of that. Well, okay. I have a
1: hard time thinking of a time, uh, you know, where it's a bad thing. I feel like right. Examining the opposition
0: is always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, well, for instance, uh, let's say we're on a boat and okay. the boat starts sinking. Okay, back to and, the boat analogy from yes, the
1: uh the teacher episode.
0: I absolutely. like Absolutely. Uh we're on the boat and somebody says, Hey, let's start, you know, bailing out the water with these buckets uh, man, there might be a, a tub downstairs. <laughs> it's maybe, bigger. maybe you do have a better idea. <laughs> maybe there is a better way, but, uh, can we talk about it while we keep mailing the water out with the buckets for right now? <laughs> right. You know? Okay. So, um, I also think, you know, when you get into, um, more, more concrete, like, you know, good and evil terms and things, it does start to slip away. For instance, uh, to kind of clarify what I'm saying here. Um, when we talk about people who commit rape right? Um, I think that by and large, we can all agree that we don't have a lot of respect for people who we know have committed rape. Absolutely not. So for instance, I also remember uh, you taking a strong position that I hope and think made it onto air one time during a show Uh uh, that uh, we were talking about uh, rapists, the sex offender registry and whatnot. And I believe you said that you wanted to see them castrated and
1: (laughs) murdered uh, violently. violently. No, I don't know what I said exactly, but, but no, your, your point's well taken. I don't think that there is any advantage Uh, To playing devil's advocate for rapists. You're absolutely right. Right. There's no situation I can fathom where I would, where I would take that side and say, oh yeah, well maybe he was justified in
0: in that rape, (laughs) you know, like
1: there's, there's no good to come of that.
0: Yeah. Well, I I would say like, you know, if we're hunting people down and murdering them in the streets, maybe have somebody, that's why I include, you know, I include a passing mention, maybe have somebody be like, Hey, are we sure we want to do this? But you have to be careful with contrarianism because when you get into that when you double down on it and and you start arguing for it hardcore, you get to a place where you can shift an argument completely away from what you were talking about to begin with and you lose focus on the problem at hand. And that's a really good point, you know really so I, I think it, it it obviously has its uses. We you and I would like to tell ourselves that it's this noble, job that we sacrifice ourselves no, and do every day. There's no, some man. truth
1: there. I'm, you know, I'm kind of just a troll at times. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy argument for the sake of argument. Yeah. And uh, you know, as long as no one's feelings are hurt too bad, then
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're all having fun. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. And I love to deconstruct and pick things apart. It's actually very postmodern of me. <laughs> so. <laughs> so while we're
1: talking about the show's biases and, and the ones that may be most relevant Uh, to our listeners when thinking about what we're talking about on the show um, is that we both have major problems with authority
0: and authority figures. Which, (laughs) which, fair enough, probably runs hand in hand with the contrarianism, you know? But yeah, I mean, like, I I think I actually mentioned it in uh, the first episode when I brought up JFK the movie and like, I've had a strong distrust of the government ever since. And both of us, as long as I've known us, have always bristled at being told what to do by authority figures or, or the establishment, the status quo, like we've always bristled at that.
1: That's right. And and to me, you know, when I, when I think about that bias, um, you know, now that I've identified it, I feel like I can trace it back uh, to some very real things. I mean, uh, say pot smoking for one, you know, the, the government told me all my life, oh, pot smoking is terrible. And we had dare, you know, and said, Oh, the, you know, you start smoking pot and then you'll start doing heroin. And then at, at 14, uh, maybe 13, I found a pot pipe in my mom's closet. Right. And, and she doesn't smoke anymore and she didn't, but she kept on to it because it was really nice and, and hand carved, you know, it was a memento from, from her past. And that kind of blew a hole in things for me. I was like, well, right. how can my mom, this, this lovely woman be a pot smoker if all these things about pot are true, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so it kind of broke the illusion for me. Um, you know, and even later on in life, you know, I was told all my life that, that school was the only pathway to success. Mm -hmm. Um, and here I am a relative success without school. Um, so I feel like when looking at this bias that I have, that I have some reason for it. Yeah. Right. And, and that might be true, (coughs) but at the same time, it may very well color, uh, my own opinion of things.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that I hope we get across today is like so you have well-founded reasons. you know, don't think that I'm sitting here arguing for the establishment or status quo. But what I'm saying is sometimes in my zeal to be against authority, I sometimes dehumanize people who are in positions of authority. I ascribe to them uh, standards that I wouldn't put on anybody else. And sometimes, you know, if we're talking about a police officer, if we're talking about an elected official, of course you've got higher standards because the public trust has been, has been put there. But then when we start looking at, you know, the way we treat public figures over sex scandals and the way we scrutinize all their stuff. And it's like, man, they're just as human as you or I, like I want them to be some, some better person, but at the same, I mean, they're humans. Yeah. So uh, if you, if you build that up, you know it's like we say you're going to be continuously let down. Well, at the same time, from the other angle, like if you're completely expecting them to be completely evil all the time, then you're going to miss out on on you some know, of the good things that uh, may some come. Some of the from good them. ideas they may have, some of their utility to your cause. I mean, you're you're, you're glossing over so much, right? Yeah, right. And I think there's a very real comparison. Um, between that and between the prejudice that we see for other groups because now we're not talking about each of these authority figures as their own individual person right we're looking we're as
1: it a, a, as at a bubble of authority and and we're basing our previous experiences with authority on mm-hmm. this new authority that is possibly totally unrelated yeah um, but at least somewhat separated and unrelated yeah um so yeah it's very much like looking at uh you know black people and 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 your experience with one black person and holding all black people uh to that view right and and
0: bias is a prejudice now to play devil's advocate Ah. (laughs) um so there are times where i think that that's acceptable okay i want to i want to use for a second nazis to kind of show um where this, this way of thinking, like it's strong suits and it's, and it's uh, weaknesses. Um, I don't think there's anything left for us to discover about Nazi ideology. I think they had their run. I think what they believe in is clearly on the table. That's right. And having, it's seen not evolving anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> having seen what the Nazis are into, I feel pretty safe in saying that if you identify to me as a Nazi, if you're like, I'm a Nazi, here's my ideas. It, I don't want to hear them. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> So when I say, you know, you can't just write off everybody, you know, authority and stuff, that, that's not to say that we can't take a group and say, hey, you're not, you know, up to snuff to be a part of this dialogue. Okay, okay. However, I think at the same time, that means that if we're going to just throw out a group like that, we have to be so much more careful about who we put into that group. That's absolutely right? true. Because now we're not weighing the merits of their arguments anymore. We've decided to shut them out. And so but now we have to make sure
1: you have to ca- be careful who you identify yeah, who with you that toss group into that group. And I think Nazis is a is a really interesting uh, metaphor there. Not yeah. a metaphor, but it's a really interesting example, uh-huh. um, because we really do have a lot of people now throwing people into the Nazi group right. that maybe don't belong. Um, right. You know, the entire alt right as as terrible as they may, may be are not
0: all Nazis. Yeah. Well, and you, you get rapidly to the point where you're not identifying, um, people who espouse Nazi ideology as Nazis, but you're identify you know, you're, it's anybody who puts out something that's contrary to the narrative. That's right. So, Nazi, so you know?
1: Nazism now has become a tool, uh, because of, because of people's bias against uh-huh. Nazis. Yeah. Now Nazi is a tool to discredit and silence, um, right. simply by throwing someone in the Nazi bucket everyone writes them off. And, and, and that is to say that everyone should write off
0: Nazis. I think yeah, that's, yeah, yeah.
1: but we need to be careful about who we put in those buckets. Absolutely. Know, exactly. Like you said.
0: Absolutely. So when we talk about putting people into buckets and sorting people and, and groups and stuff like that, uh, we get to one of the main standbys of the show. And when we talk about this next bias, this is a, this is a KO gut punch, man. Cause yeah. we, we have to talk about it. We on this show, um, have a bias towards centrism, towards finding a middle way, for towards common ground. That's
1: right. And I, and I think one of the reasons for that is that we tend to reject extremism, right? We reject the alt-right and we reject Antifa on the left. Um, so by by acknowledging the terribleness of the extremes that draws me towards the center, you know, right. and, and it, and it's not just political. I think in most things, and mm-hmm. maybe it's cause I'm a Libra, uh, <laughs> beans can crack on me for, you know, for my astrology <laughs> again, that's fine. Um, but I tend to believe that there is a, a balance of things and that we can find it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. That, that might not always be true. <laughs> no, it's actually, and, and oftentimes it's not true. Like I think We have to be careful in in this, you know, happy love fest that we have on the show where we're like, you know, oh, we found a middle way. We found – see, there is compromise, and, and like, we take it for granted – almost, that what we're saying is like common sense. Like, you know, well, if you guys would just shut up and, right. and, and see the If you strong-
1: just look at the world objectively <laughs> like we do- Yeah, which actually Then is, you'll
0: understand. That is a bias that's on that bias list that we were talking about. It's called naive realism, yeah. which, where you think that your worldview is just common sense, and everybody should be able to figure it out. That's right. You know?
1: if, if people just stood where you are and looked at it from your angle, then they would obviously- understand. <laughs> yeah. And I think we have a lot of that on all sides. You know, I, I think, I think that people in the gun control debate, for example, I think people who are are for gun control, they, they tend to say things like common sense gun control, yeah. you know, common sense gun legislation. And, and that is a bias at play in itself, especially uh-huh. if you're ignoring, um, you know, crime statistics that might speak to the opposite of your point. Right. Which I think in that debate happens a lot.
0: Yeah. Well I think that's why we have to we have to go out of our way to sharpen down exactly what it is that we're saying on the show. And and so when we say that we're looking for, you know, uh rationality, common sense, uh, you know, so on and so forth, it's more about the actual discussion, not the content of the discussion. Like so What do you mean by that? Well what I mean is is our middle way, our middle ground is the fact that if, if we look at economics for instance, you and I completely disagree. That's right. And I, and I don't think, I mean, you know, maybe we'll, you and I will find a middle way between the two of us when we do that episode. I think we will. I've already got the inroad, road, buddy. There's that bias. But anyway, that's, that's what I'm saying, but it's not this show. we, We talk about those things and we try to find a middle way, but at the end of the day, maybe there isn't one, you know what I mean? It may be, uh, my hard ass, uh, damn near anarcho capitalist ass is the right way, or maybe your peace loving hippie ass is the right way. You know, who knows what's important for this show though, is that you and I can sit here and talk about it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe
1: gun control is the only way to stop mass shootings in schools. Maybe, maybe. you know, I think, I think I owe it, uh, to the other side to at least consider that position. And it's something I haven't done on air
0: uh, until maybe this point, but uh, rest assured, I have considered that. So it's important. It's important for us to remind ourselves that that's what we mean by that middle way is that you are willing to entertain the idea that gun control might be the way, right? Not that you know we found the perfect amalgamation of gun control and Second Amendment protection. That find, you know, da, da 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 da.
1: Yeah, I find it really interesting because there's a portion of this show that unfortunately our listeners are never privy to. And that's the part where we come back afterwards and kind of analyze and talk about what we've done. And a lot of times uh, we feel like we've left things out. Um, A lot of times we feel like maybe we didn't do the counter argument justice enough, you know, possibly because of our own biases. A perfect example is the police episode. I felt like at the end of that, uh, that maybe we hadn't been uh, fair to police officers yeah. and that we hadn't given them enough credit. Whereas on the other side,
0: yeah, no, you I've, felt like I felt the like total we were, opposite. Yeah, I know. I felt like we were not hard enough on police officers. And, and I think that that, uh, that speaks to our uh, strong suit in a way that we are challenging that bias, right? Because traditionally the side that I'm coming from, right. If, if we're in those labels and those boxes is the side that's going to give cops a pass and and vice versa for you. Right. However, I've noticed that as well in multiple <laughs> episodes, I'm worried that the side that you would traditionally defend wasn't <laughs> covered enough. And you're worried about the same with me. And this whole doing this show has taught me a lot about like, you know, the weird things about how we think and, and see things. It's, it's, it's been really interesting. That's right. And I, and I
1: think, I think it speaks to to a special thing we've got going on this show, um, not to toot our own horn, you know, over right. and over. But but seriously, think about that. I tend to lean to the left mm-hmm. and I was worried that we weren't easy enough <laughs> on cops. <laughs> yeah. You tend to lean right. Yeah. And you were worried we weren't hard enough on them. <laughs> yeah. So so we're both kind of checking our own biases at that point. I yeah. think we were both very clearly aware of our biases, uh, looking at them square in the face and, and wondering if we'd done enough to overcome them.
0: Yeah, yeah. If we can extend that out to cover this, uh, you know, what I'm, I'm going to keep referring to as the love fest of us meeting in the middle, like I, I think that is something that we need to watch you know, but I I think we're, we're in a pretty strong place, but that could just be me being biased. (laughs) Speaking of me being biased, uh, let's shift a little bit and talk about our personal biases.
1: This is, this is really hard for me. Um, this was, it was hard for me to even, to even identify my biases, right? Because it's not something you think about very much. You're just in your head and, and, and you go on and you think about, the things that you think about. You don't yeah. think about why you think about them. Yeah. You know, that's a very meta thing to do. Well,
0: to tell you the truth, and and we will expound on this later in the show, I cheated a little bit in, in prepping for this show. And I, I made a decision. I said, well, things that I know that I'm biased are, or uh, for are things that I value. So I took my values and I decided to look at those as biases. Now I think there's a pro and a con there, Right. Like the con is, is that some of the scary biases are the ones that you don't see coming. That's right. Right. And these are very (laughs) easy to see coming. But on the flip side of that, I think sometimes the hardest bias to defeat is one that you fully believe in, one that you're all for. You know, I I think I used an analogy uh, earlier today and I said, you know, if, if I find out that I'm a thief, and I, and I didn't realize it. Well, it's easy to say, well, I don't want to be a thief and correct that action. Right. But if I find out that through some machination, it's harmful for me to give to the poor. Well, well everybody's forgiven to the poor. It's hard to challenge a bias from something you value. That's right. You know, That's right. So I think in a way you, you took your values because those were going to be the
1: hardest ones to attack and and maybe try to defeat. Mm-hmm. and And you may find some, some value
0: from that. Right, right. So uh to start it off, you know, I started at religion, uh, which is one for me. And it's it's really weird. Uh I've now find myself hyper vigilant um in defending religion from attack. Uh and that's, you know, Christianity, but you know, spiritualism at large as well. And it's really weird when you look at the development of it. Like I've I've said on the show before, I was raised in the church and I had a break with the church in my teens, and that lasted well into my twenties. Um, and I've sort of been walking back from that, you know, (laughs) because what happened was I was so anti-religion after I made that break, you know, I was just like, screw the church. Church is evil. Church does this. Church does that. Yeah. And then, you know, I got a little bit older and and I started to realize that that in itself was a bias. Like I I felt like, you know, it harkens back to our anti-authority probably, but I felt like the church had had harmed me in some way. So I began to judge it unfairly um, out of that pain or that hurt, you know? And so now, <laughs> now I got to worry about it the other way, because now I'm like, no, 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 you, you just don't get it, man. Like you're nostalgic are- about your memories with the people who, who took you to church, you and know, your I'm, family I'm, who I'm absolutely sure that that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like the, the nostalgia of it, but also what, where it comes from is, is that I make separations in my head, right. Between religion and the people who were at the church, Uh-huh. you know, and, and so I still have serious problems with religion. But I can't deny some of the positive impacts that religion has on the world. And I can't deny, you know, that, that not everybody that I went to church with was a complete asshole. Right. You know, so, so there has to be something there. Now, is it, is it a net good, you know, we can talk about it. Is it, is it yada yada? Well, that's the funny thing you know. about
1: bias is sometimes they just are, right? I right. mean, sometimes a bias isn't good or bad. Um, it just colors who you are. It's part of who you are. Um, and it just exists, and it's it's funny because on kind of the opposite side as as you here, I have always held a, a deeply held bias against religion. Um, mm-hmm. And it started as early as I can remember, uh, you know, third or fourth grade. I remember telling people I was an atheist before I knew what what religion was, and I wasn't raised in a church, um, right. so you know, I didn't I didn't have that. But that was something that a lot of people around me did have, and and I was ostracized for that. Uh, I was treated incredibly poorly. I was made fun of. Um, I was pushed, mm-hmm. um, you know, bullied on the playground and stuff. Uh, in fact, I went to a church camp once and I didn't have a Bible. I went to church camp with my cousin. Didn't have a Bible, right? So kids started making fun of me and, and I just came out and said, well, I'm an atheist. Yeah. The next day at church camp, I get called into the office and some kids had uh, raided the girl's cabin. Right. And blamed it all on me and said that they saw me there and that I did it. So like I'm nine years old or something being grilled by these counselors Mm. after being ostracized the day before about not having my Bible with me, (laughs) you know, and 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 being faced with this accusation. I was tore up, man. It tore up little old me. And so so these things have all kind of kind of shaped my view towards religion. Um, And it's something I've tried really hard specifically over the last five or six years mm-hmm. um, to kind of get over. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm not sure I can. When I look at the hypocrisy of the church, mm-hmm. um, you know, mega churches uh spending millions of dollars, you know, they outfitted a, a mall here in town. Yeah. Um and, and at the same time, we've got homeless people in Lexington, and I look at the teachings of Jesus, you know, yeah. I have a really hard time accepting religion based on my experience. Right. Now, I will say, Uh, You know, like I said, it's something I've been working on. There was a religious freedom bill put up uh, in Kentucky a while back and you had the left screaming, no, 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 it's going to be Bibles and schools and this, that, and the other. And my initial reaction was to jump on that bandwagon Mm. and I stopped myself for a second. I went and I read the bill and I decided, eh, that's not really what this is. The language enshrines all religions. And, and really I've come to an understanding that, that religion may have some value. Yeah. Um. So, so I was okay with that, you know, mm-hmm. and I felt like that was a, that was a turning point for me and my own personal bias. Now, yeah. I'm sure that's not gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I'm
1: not erasing those experiences, you know? Like, well,
0: no, that I, I think, I think in a way uh, my story uh, kind of shows that it, it never, it never fully leaves. Right. So even, even as upset and as mad uh, at the church uh, as I got, I think it sounds like, at least to me, that it was much easier for me to start to kind of come back. Uh, not that, uh, guys, I don't go to church. Uh, <laughs> you know, my 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 mom uh, occasionally takes my kids to church, but I don't like make sure they go every Sunday. You know, um, and and I man, you, you brought up mega churches. I went to Benny Hinn's church. No I don't, shit. I don't know. Uh, yeah, at one point we moved around a lot, but uh, at one point in Orlando, I went to, and that is a mega church. It's yeah. right up there. I mean, you know that Joel Osteen church. It's real nice these days, but I'm telling you, Benny Hinn's church is huge, and my God, it's like it's almost like you're on a college campus, and just the whole thing was uh,
1: past that donation. <laughs> that was, donation played around, you fellas. know, with the Holy
0: Spirit machine gun and all that crap. Um, it, at the same time, even those people, I saw those people. Um, really, really believe in, in, in what was happening. You know, I mean, you know, we sit out here and we say, Oh, it's a mega church. I mean, look at Joel Osteen. And at some point you have to hold somebody who's being hoaxed or, you know, whatever. Uh, Oh, sure. You
1: won't even see me play devil's advocate for Joel Osteen.
0: Yeah, You you won't see me do it. No, I'm not talking about Joel Osteen. I'm talking about the people who attend his church. At some point we have to hold them accountable for letting themselves be led astray by somebody like Joel Osteen. Okay. You know, in contrary to some of your opinions on advertising and stuff. But anyway, uh <laughs> we have to hold those people accountable. Um at the same time, I think that those people believe that they're a part of this giant force that is helping the homeless. That is, you know, they're pooling obscene amounts of money together. And in fairness, Joel Stein keeps a lot of that to himself. I'm right. sure and a lot of, you know, houses and cars and stuff, but there are shelters that exist solely because of his ministries. That's true. That's true. Now those people could take their money somewhere else. I think Joel Osteen said
1: he needs a helicopter to serve the Lord better. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm sure he did. Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: absolutely. But I I think that's what I'm getting, you know, so religion, yes, there are, there are parts of it that I can condemn and hate at the same time. I, I can see that there are people trying to figure stuff out just like you or I and, and some people, uh, you know, go out and hang out with trees, and some people find comfort in science, and these people find comfort this way. That's right. And there's problems with just about all, maybe not the trees, but there's problems with a lot <laughs> of those. You know what I mean? So fair enough, fair enough. Um, and you know, we speaking of personal responsibility, that's that's right up there too. Like personal responsibility is a strong bias for me. How, how is personal responsibility a bias? I I, I believe. Uh, very strongly that where I am in my life is largely based on the choices I've made and what I've done. And I I already know that there's actually, uh, uh, you can get into like narcissism and psychology and, you know, some of these other biases. I know that there's all kinds of things wrong with that to believe that I'm the sole author Uh of, of what I've done. But I also believe that you can't go to other people. Like you can't, um, look to other places for, uh, you know, justification for where you're at. I mean, because ultimately all you have is you. So, you know, I can sit there and say, well, you know, if, if that would help me or if this would help me or if they would help me or whatever. But at the end of the day, if I got to go eat, I got to go find food. I can't expect anybody to bring me food. Yeah. And so then it builds on top of that. Right. So, Personal responsibility is something that I already know I, because I put such a high standard on myself that I unfairly critique others because not everybody, not to say that I've had it easy by any means, but not everybody, you know, has it as easy as I do. Okay. You know, so, so I understand that, you know. Uh, It's funny
1: because I feel like, again, I'm, I'm in the exact opposite camp here. Um, I oftentimes feel like the lot that I have in life is, due mostly to external factors. Um, You know, I I dropped out of high school. I landed on a great job through no fault of my own. I have a great family support structure that I was just born into. Right. Um, You know, a mom who could help me out with a down payment on a house. Holy shit. Like, uh, you know, I inherited a car for Christ's sake. There's, you know, there's all these things that have contributed to my personal success that have nothing to do with the things that I've done. So I feel like I have a bias uh, against personal responsibility in right. that, you know, coming from a place where so much has been, has been bestowed upon me without my own work um, and how, and how wonderful that is. I want other people to feel that too. Right. right, right. So, so part of me feels guilty um, for the things that have been given to me yeah. and, and about the unfairness that that poses to the other side. So when people say, for example, uh, you know, just lift yourself up by the bootstraps, I think back on my life and I go, Holy shit. I, I, you know, I was lifted up by my bootstraps, you know, by, by the external world around me. How nice was that? You know? Um, so it's funny that, that we could hold completely opposite sides of kind of the same bias. And, and I think that illustrates where we come from on the political spectrum too. So You know, when we've, we've oftentimes said that I lean left and and you lean right here is, here's the perfect example of that, you know, you lean towards lift yourself up by the bootstraps. And, and I tend to lean towards, well, you know, a little bit of help is good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think,
0: I think what's it, it, what it comes down to is like what we emphasize, you know, because I think that, um, it's, it's, it's to both of, in a sense, I think this issue it's to our detriments in a way when I look at it. And what I mean by that is I am, I am really like hard on myself. Like I'm really unfair to myself sometimes with, I'm like, you know, if you would have just done this or if you would have just made this decision or if you, and, and like you said, man, sometimes there are external factors that are, that are out of our control, that there's nothing you could have done. There's no better way forward. At the same time, I think that you sell yourself short. Sure. Because let's face it, there are people who have had that same lift up that you have that yeah. weren't able to capitalize on it. That's they true. They weren't able to succeed with it. That's true. It. You so know when I, mean? I
1: think really hard on it, I am able to say, you know, yes, I did capitalize on on momentum. Uh-huh. You know, yes, I, you know, there were personal decisions that I made that, that led me where I am. So, I, you know, I don't completely discount those. Um, but But much like you are very hard on yourself, I feel a lot of guilt and shame. Yeah, uh, about the position I have because I feel like it was given to me and I didn't earn it. So neither sides of this bias for either of us are doing any favors at all.
0: Yeah, that or we've stumbled upon uh, bias against ourselves, which is going to be beyond the scope of this podcast today. I mean, we're, we're not <laughs> It'll doing keep that. Keep me one. up tonight. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so moving on, I think I have a, a very strong bias towards personal freedom. And, you know, unlike, unlike before, I think this is one that we share again, you know? Um, but I I wanted to kind of use personal freedom, uh, to show everybody a tool that I think I developed, uh, to help you deal with bias. Okay. And I probably did not develop it. I'm sure that 19 people are going to be like, well, if you go and look at this Stanford study, but anyway, bro, we don't
1: have 19 listeners. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's a good point. It came to me though, while I was uh, preparing this outline, um, so I said, "Okay, I have a strong bias for personal freedom. Let me carry that out." And when you carry personal freedom like out to its its, you know, extreme logical conclusion, we get we get anarchy, right? You get to anarchy, right? And so now I can look at what the world would look like in anarchy and say, "Well, I don't like that." And I don't like that, and I don't like that. I don't then, like
1: staying up at night in my front room looking out the window with a rifle. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't like uh trusting in in the the you know, just the benevolence of strangers for my healthcare and stuff like <laughs> that. You know what I mean? So um so I can use that and go back to something like healthcare. And when I argue for the personal freedom side of that, I can very quickly or more readily identify what I might be overlooking because of my personal freedom bias. So Right. We-
1: the way I see that is like you've you've walked to the edge of your position, right? And you've looked down at the chasm. And, and you've recognized the danger and, and that gives you the ability to walk back from it with that edge in mind. Yeah. Right. To find a a reasonable stopping point. You know, obviously there's a reasonable, a reasonable place where personal freedom, uh, falls apart. You know, it doesn't work for society. Right. Right. Um, so it gives you a little perspective.
0: Yeah. And I I think I, I also, in looking at it, I felt like my personal freedom, uh, bias was the umbrella under which my anti-collectivism, you know, uh, gained shade and, you know, and, and that's something else that's worth looking at. Like, so I can sit here and say that I'm scared of collectivism. Uh, These are the things that I think are, are no good about collectivism. But then when I go and I look at that lawless, you know, anarchy scape, I'm like, well, I would almost immediately want people to start working together. So collectivism (laughs) can't be entirely bad. You know what I mean? So it it helps you kind of moderate your position by going to that extreme.
1: So I have a bias that you probably don't share that my friends and family uh, have called me out on numerous times Mm -hmm. and I've been in denial about it uh, up until very recently. And that is, I hold a very strong bias uh, against wealthy people, against rich folks. I do. And, and, and when i examine that um it's because like i know it's really hard to make a buck right and and i've seen countless examples in my life of very rich people coming about it dishonestly um i also am not the type of person that you know likes flashy cars or flashy clothes um these things don't have value to me so it's hard for me to understand and put myself in the shoes of someone who has you know, a million and a half dollars in the bank and doesn't just jerk off the rest of the day. Right. right. Um, because I have, you know, maybe it's because of my bias towards personal freedom. And, you know, I'm looking at that through that lens and saying, well, if I had a million and a half dollars in the bank, why the fuck would I go to work? Why would I, you know, why would I shoot for 6 million? Why would I shoot for 8 billion? You know, how the fuck could I be Elon Musk out here unless I just really was passionate about something? Um, so I tend to just kind of dismiss wealthy people offhand as out of touch, uh, as dishonest. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even though I know, I I know some of those people worked hard, you know, they innovated and made an honest buck. Um, I, I find it really hard to step around that bias. Well,
0: I think, I think it's tricky, right? Because you're not wrong. You know, obviously there is a segment of the population that is rich um that got there through ill gotten ways, you know, who who bent the law, who broke the law. Um is it fair of me to hold all of them to, to that standard though?
1: No, no, it's the, absolutely it's not. It's the same thing you know, being prejudiced against black people. Right. Uh because a black guy mugged you when you were nineteen, yeah. you know? See
0: that's that's what uh so in my head, I mean I don't feel like I share that particular bias. And in my head, um that's what I say. I would have to make the jump that money um you know, we say absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't think it's absolutely. I don't, you know what I'm saying? And maybe that's me being contrarian, but yeah, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I just, I just don't quite think it's absolutely. And that's, that's probably, you know, like maybe that's the big warning flag, like is, is, you know, we keep seeing generalization come up and, and you see a broad sweeping statement, it's time to go look at that yeah, list on Wikipedia. And, you know what and, I mean? And, and it's funny <laughs> like, because yeah.
1: I, I have another that leads straight into this other bias that I hold that I think lots of people hold right now. Yeah. It's kind of sweeping the nation, if you will. And and that's a bias against big business. Right. Um, for many of the same reasons, I feel like uh, if you have made it so big that you're, you know, a national brand, you've cut corners to get there. Um, you know, how else did you get there? But by cornering the market, controlling supply, um, you Know taking shortcuts on your product and, and putting filler in instead of good ingredients, so yeah. how that plays out for well, me, not is, to mention
0: the advertising, right? And the advertising, yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely, manipulative advertising is another big one. Mm-hmm. Um, so how that plays out to me in the store is that when I see a brand that that looks like it was just slapshod thrown <laughs> together, yeah, yeah, I am generally apt to try out that product now. I, I do like to think that I can objectively measure a product's worth afterwards. Well,
0: I think, I think what's interesting is like, in what you said, it like, it precludes the possibility that we'll say, you know, uh, Kraft mac and cheese or, or star Kiss tuna has the superior product. That's true. That, it that, it that, absolutely you know, does. It's like, so, so what would happen to all the companies that had the superior product <laughs> if, you know, of, besides get big, right. And
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of mind boggling. It's funny you bring up tuna. Um, because just today I, had I brought a great up tuna exa- because
0: of that. Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> so a great example, you know, we were in the store the other day and my daughter loves tuna. No one else in the house really eats tuna. So, um, you know, we let her pick out her tuna fish and there were cans of tuna fish on the shelf set upside down and they had a label on the bottom of the can that said 100% polcott <laughs> and i realized at that moment that i had passed on my bias to my daughter yeah. because her eyes are fixed on that and she's like ooh it's polcot <laughs> it must be better you know yeah, yeah. so it's funny we stopped in the store and had a conversation i was like okay i'm going to let you get this tuna that's a dollar 80 more than than the most expensive tuna on the shelf. But what I want you to do is first think about what pole caught means. Yeah. Now let's analyze whether that has any bearing on the quality of the fish. If we caught it in the same place
0: with a net or a pole. This is like the funniest thing I've ever heard, because basically what happened was is your advertising bias and your big business bias <laughs> had a full head-on collision and <laughs> now <out, out> twelve. <laughs> they did. They did. So, so and and I told her,
1: when, you know, when you eat this tuna, just marinate on it and decide whether this stacks up to all the tuna that you've ever eaten. And yeah. we're gonna think about whether it's worth that dollar eighty premium. And uh today, while we were discussing the podcast, yeah. she made herself a tuna sandwich and the tuna was good. Yeah. It was well, better.
0: It's, it's cotton, it man. was
1: it was better than Starkist. It looked great in the can. You know, yeah. sometimes it's like all mashed up. Yeah. This was like nice flakes of tuna, you know, all the way yeah. across the can. Um, but it wasn't much better than Starkist. Yeah. It wasn't a yeah,
0: dollar no, That's what I heard you say. You were like, she was like, No, it's good. You were like, Is it a dollar better? Yeah. <laughs> no, so it's, I think, I think sometimes, and that's a good way to illustrate like why, why bias is a problem, right? Cause we're, we're sitting here and we're almost giving bias a pass, right? We're saying, well, you know, I'm biased for this thing because I believe in it and it's not, not necessarily an evil thing and, and yada, 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 but there are problems here. Like with religion, uh, you know, I have a tendency to overlook, um, uh, people who are, you know, uh, benzo, oftentimes when we're having conversations out on the back porch and we talk about charter schools or something. And he brings up, what do you do if you're the atheist in a small religious town? Right. And I forget about that in my defense of the wholesome values of religious people. Here with, with your food thing, I think we were talking earlier about raw milk. You know, like, so, uh, uh. so, you know, people say, uh, you know, well, the big business stuff is bad. And this, this artisanal, organic, healthily straight from stuff. the
1: farm, still warm, <laughs> yeah.
0: floundering with and E. coli and we salmonella see people run to the arms of warm yeah. milk or I'm sorry, raw milk and get, yeah. And get all kinds of awful shit because of it. Not to say. That I, I enjoy artisanal cheeses. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's when we let them shift us completely one way or completely the other, or let us overlook and generalize.
1: And I think more importantly, when we're not aware of it, because what happens when you're aware of it is you get that tiny moment to stop and think and reflect. And in those moments, you have more clarity than, than you did without that awareness. Right. Um, so I, I think it can only lead, uh, to better outcomes eventually, or at least better understanding. And if you're not in this world looking around for better understanding, you know, what are you doing? Maybe you're, you know, amassing money or (laughs) (laughs) stacking your cheese. So
0: there was another way that I went about this when we were, when we were prepping the episode was I sat down and I kind of, and I kind of looked at myself and I thought about, you know, uh, personality traits that I have and, and what possible relationships could I find the biases. Right. So I realized that like, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of a weird guy in some real, you know, in a lot of respects, but in no one in particular, kidding. I love Sherlock Holmes, right? Like I always thought the Sherlock Holmes stories were like the coolest thing I've ever heard. Here's this guy. He can look at you and and buy a thread on your collar or by <laughs> buy, buy a dust on your shoe. He can figure out where you were today and what you did. And so I've always kind of, Um, lofted up that that idea that I can I can figure out anything I can just by analyzing the granules
1: in the situation.
0: (laughs) If I if I look at something and I just pick it apart and I I see this, I I will figure it out and stuff. So I started thinking, well, if I believe that about myself wrongly, because I'm nowhere near as good as Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) But if I if I believe that about myself, what does that make me susceptible to? Well, I, I learned about two biases. One of them is framing. And framing is a bias that develops uh, due to the way that information is presented to us. So, for instance, you know, we talked about media bias, obviously, and the way that the news is presented to us can bias the way that we think about, you know, not just in terms of um, the bias that they have, but let, let me try the to bias
1: clear. that they play on.
0: Well, the the uh, how should I describe it? The arena that they built for the discussion to take place in. Okay. So, for instance, since I like to think, you know, figure things out and think things through, when somebody makes an argument to me, like let's say the Huffington Post or something, and they make an argument to me for universal health care, and they set the terms, they say it's a this or that proposition. I want to figure it out within that that those guidelines, just to show them that I can prove <laughs> they're wrong on their own turf, right? But sometimes that makes me overlook the fact that it's not that. It's, yeah, it's not an. It's not an not A or stakes. B.
1: There may be a C. There may be a D. Exactly. Um, like they they framed the discussion in a in a dishonest way, or yeah, dishonest way. I think that's right, fair right. to say. Yeah,
0: and I've let them set the tone, and that's taken away a whole host of options for me to explore. Right. Um. Another one that those personality too, that those personality traits make me susceptible to is one called attribution and one called apathenia. Attribution is when you have a tendency to ascribe, you know, attributes to something unfairly, right? So like, let's say, you know, like Sherlock Holmes, actually, that's a beautiful example. Let's say I see uh, uh, you, Come into the room at a certain time, and I think, Well, he must have come into this room at this time because of the de- dude, you don't know any of that shit. And now, all the decisions that you're making based off this crazy attribution you've made, you know, right.
1: it's three o'clock, he must have just gotten done at the office and
0: uh, yeah, yes. subways on the way home from the house. Well, and- it, it filters into my thinking. I, you know, sometimes I try to do this like this big puzzle it out thing where I'm thinking, Well, okay. If they support gun control, they support gun control because they live here and they ah. were they were exposed to this kind of stuff. And the history, you know, because I, I read a lot of history, the history of this region is like this. And I start like trying to figure out all these things, but I can't prove this deduction or that deduction. Right. So, so you're you know, just pissing in the wind. Right? right. And that goes hand in hand with apophenia, which is our uh, bias to see patterns and things. Ah, yes. And so I want there to be this grand pattern that I can suss out if I can just find the right clues. Uh, a good example of apophenia is the fact that everyone sees a man's face in the moon. Right. Right. Well, there is no man's face in the moon. Of you course know? not.
1: And I think that's. It's funny because a lot of these biases and and folks again go hit the Wikipedia on uh, on cognitive biases, read through them, and and what you'll see is that a lot of these biases may have served us in the past. So right. the tendency to see patterns and try to find patterns um, has has in large ways. Given us the ability to look at the world and assess it, right, well, uh, and
0: get around in it. Assessing the uh, the uh, the poisonous or the uh, medicinal use of herbs. Exactly, you have to have pattern recognition for that. Exactly. So so, so I feel like what's happened now now that we're aware of these
1: things, um, we're able to harness them. That's my hope anyway. Is right. that we can see where they can lead to our downfall and get ahead of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think that's part of what this, what this episode specifically was for me, you know, as a self-reflection, was, was a way to kind of check all this um, and, and, and recognize that, yes, some of these things I do uh, may serve me, mm-hmm. but in other places, they probably blind me. And I have to say, it was, it was interesting in prepping for this show, one of the biases I read about was the bias blind spot. Yeah. And that is the tendency to recognize the impact of biases on other people, mm-hmm. but not recognize them in yourself. And I think we could have gone a really long time doing what we do on this show and, and pointing out other biases, you know, yeah. the media's bias yeah, and politicians' biases. Yeah. Um, but this show allows us to turn the lens on ourself yeah. and, and hopefully avoid the bias blind spot.
0: Right. Right. I think that, so, so that gets into what do we do right about bias. And I think that is key, man. Like the first step is you have to talk about it. You have to inspect it. You have to chase it. You have to find it like it is tie it it down. Yeah. It's not it with a stick. I spent all night sitting there going, well, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm biased about this. And then ultimately, like I said, I come up with my little party trick with flipping our values, you know, but, but that is a party trick. And, and, to me, it was going down that list of cognitive biases on the on the Wikipedia page or whatever that that really started like setting off the explosions. Just bang, 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 yeah. bang. You know, so like you're never you're never gonna find it or recognize it if you don't uh see it, look at it, talk about man, it. Man, piss in your own Kool-Aid. Yeah. Argue against yourself and the people that 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 you may
1: be imagining argue, arguing against you, steel man those motherfuckers. Yeah, absolutely. Give give the opposing opinion the strongest position you possibly can find yeah um yeah. you know against yourself right right absolutely uh, and find the weaknesses and the chinks in your armor um and yeah. and the key is though when you find those chinks and weaknesses sometimes you got to accept that that you may
0: be wrong yeah yeah well and I think you know you do sometimes you have to accept that you're wrong sometimes you're still right. You know what <laughs> That's I mean? True. Like yeah. but but you need to know that the weakness is there. Maybe you can patch it, maybe you can fix it. Maybe you can alter your worldview a little bit to allow for it and find a way to overcome it.
1: Do I think I'm walking back on, on gun control anytime soon? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, no, but I can I can recognize that
0: maybe, you know, mass shootings would be decreased but by massive amounts of gun control. I think the only way that I can say that I'm still where I'm at with gun control is by continuing to listen to the other side. That's and absolutely by continuing true. to attack my own ideas and make sure that I don't get complacent. You know, I think, you know, it's interesting that you say, argue against yourself and, and steel man, your opponents and stuff. And it almost sounds like you're just like, you're, you're beating the hell out of yourself. You're completely unfair to yourself. You know, but at the same time, you know, here earlier in the episode, we were like, some of the best stuff came out of the fact that maybe we're biased against ourselves. Uh Like maybe that's working for us on the show, you know? So I, I think there is something to that.
1: Yeah. And, and, and again, just to hammer it home, like, bias isn't always bad, you know, recognizing patterns and things has served us incredibly well and, and in the brave new world will continue to serve us. You know, sometimes a bias is the difference between life and death. Yeah. Um, other times it may lead you closer to the precipice of death, uh, whether real or metaphorical.
0: And you know, who knows like apophenia, maybe this time it's what helps you identify the bias by looking at your own patterns. The key is Go out there and look for them, guys.
1: Yeah, and with that, I think it's uh, time to get raked over the coals yet again. Beans, what you got for us today? Well, buddies, let's take a look at what you did here today. You admitted this whole show's theme is based on your biases while asking your audience to explore and challenge their own. Sense justified his centrist bias with Astrology fallen victim to the barnum effect yet another bias and you admitted that you're just contrarian trolls who like to argue a
0: lot Nah, <laughs> boys i'm good back to y'all well the the whole goddamn point of the episode was theory, that we theory, were exploring theory, our biases theory, beans. we we got
1: an outro to do i, I hate
0: beans all right um Anyway, yeah, like we said, uh, hey, big thank you to Seth. Uh, we really enjoyed doing this episode at the end of the day, and we couldn't have done it without you, man. Much love, man. Uh, and as far as all our listeners out there, uh, guys, we could still uh, definitely use some iTunes reviews if you have the time. If you know somebody that has an iPhone or iTunes account, please ask them to go That's out true. and rate I, and review us. I like to know. make
1: fun of our numbers, but uh, I looked at the stats and actually we're doing better than we have you know, any week this week. So yeah. big shouts to all uh, about a hundred of you yeah. out there. Uh, 10 reviews on iTunes. That's 10%. We're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see 20%.
0: I would too. I'll I tell you what I'd also like to see is I, I'd, I'd like to see you help me figure out something I'm kind of puzzling with. Okay. Um, in the show, you said that you have a bias against rich people.
1: That's, pretty much correct and
0: that anybody who's wildly successful you have to believe that they cheated or bended rules to get to the top
1: i have a tendency
0: to and taylor swift is wildly successful and very rich
1: t swift transcends bias man what uh yeah she expanded the boundaries of classic pop music using a modern take on melody and harmony coupled with lyrics that actually extend as a metaphor for
0: the genre itself why did i even fucking ask Hey folks, it's theory of the sense and theory podcast. Just wanted to take a second to thank you for continuing to listen and support the show. We really appreciate it. It means the world to us. Uh, if you get a chance, please go to iTunes, leave us a review, uh, like us. Uh, you know, it really helps a podcast, uh, take off and, uh, you know, get at us on the uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're at all the usual places. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, feel free to email us at, uh, and theory podcast at gmail.com. Uh, show ideas suggestions critiques uh, condemnations it's all good send it our way uh we'll see you next week